Dear family, this is the fourth talk on poverty. Let us present everything to the Lord, both Lourdes and I who are speaking and you who are listening. We pray, Lord, that you guide us. We consecrate this reflection to your sacred heart. And we ask St. Joseph to protect us, to provide all the graces for this reflection. And we also give this to our Most Holy Mother. We place this teaching in her Immaculate Heart. Amen. We'll begin today sharing some beautiful words from Father Canta la Mesa in his book entitled Poverty. He writes, The Old Testament introduces us to a God who is open for the poor, while the New Testament shows us a God who himself becomes poor. Only the gospel tells us about God who makes himself one of them, choosing weakness and poverty for himself. Though he was rich, Jesus Christ became poor for your sake. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. The two essential components of the ideal of biblical poverty are now made clear. To be for the poor and to be poor. John Paul II combined both aspects in his Catechesis on Poverty. He said, The Church feels ever more strongly the impulse of the Spirit to be poor among the poor, to remind everyone of the need to conform to the ideal of poverty preached and practiced by Christ and to imitate him in his sincere and active love for the poor. If we remember in the reflection that Jesus himself gave us on January 30th of 2018, Jesus said, A victim's soul must fix his eyes on Christ, must desire with all his being to become one with his master, must be willing to learn from him and imitate him. Therefore, if we are going to be Jesus' victim souls, we have to be those men and women that also want to imitate our Lord in the virtue of his poverty. I think that Cantalamesa's clarification of poverty is very, very important that the Lord became one of us in our poverty. And therefore, it frames the spirit of poverty in love. When one loves, one pours himself or herself out to fill the need of the beloved. And that's what Jesus did. And as we become one with Christ, the Holy Spirit in us who is love 
moves us to pour ourselves in as much as the need of the beloved is to give ourselves. And that is the authentic spirit of poverty. Father Cantalamesa continues writing about poverty in the life of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, St. Paul writes, Although Christ was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. St. Thomas comments, he says, He endured material poverty in order to give us spiritual riches. Christ's poverty is an aspect of his self-abasement in the Incarnation. St. Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, became, Jesus Christ became a victim for sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. My dear family, only the Holy Spirit can allow us to understand this, and he wants to allow us to understand this, because the human mind in itself, by itself resists this movement of love. And that's what this is, is a movement of love. Think of the Lord becoming poor, pouring himself out to make us rich. Think about a mother or a father sometimes spending a fortune for a child who's sick. They don't count the cost because their love moves them to pour themselves out, uh, even to become poor for the child. Only love can understand the authentic spirit of poverty because it's really a, a function of love what Jesus did, and he's inviting us, he's giving us this ability to be like him. And the real treasure of having talents or having wealth or having time is so that we can enrich others and therefore love, to be able to love. Blessed Angela Foligno explains Christ three different kinds of poverty, and it's really degrees of poverty. This is very similar to what we've been studying in the virtue of humility through the path. We learned that the first degree of humility was coming to, to know and experience our misery, our nothingness, our total dependence on God. And we learned that the second degree of humility was entering and becoming and receiving the desires of God himself, which is very much the desire for the cross. It's the same thing with poverty. There's different degrees. And Blessed Angela explains it this way. Christ's poverty was of three kinds. Christ, the way, the guide of our souls, exemplified the first degree of the most perfect poverty by choosing to live poorly and to be poor, bereft of all earthly possessions. 
He kept nothing for himself, no house, vineyard, coins, money, estate, dishware, or any other possessions. He neither accepted any earthly goods, nor wanted to accept anything but a life of extreme bodily neediness, with scarcity, hunger, thirst, cold, hard labor, austerity, and hardship. The second degree of poverty, greater than the first, was that he wished to be poor with regard to relatives, friends, and all earthly affections. And the third and supreme degree of poverty was that Christ stripped himself of his very self, became poor with regard to his own power, wisdom, and glory. Therefore, Jesus was poor in things, poor in supports, and poor in prestige. It's beautiful that the one writing about these three degrees is St. Angela Foligno, and she was actually a wife and mother. She was very wealthy, and not only was she wealthy, but for a major part of her life, she was immersed in the quest for wealth and social position. It wasn't until the age of 40 that she recognized the emptiness of her life and sought God's help in the sacrament of penance. And it was from there that began a transformation in St. Angela Foligno's life where she began to embrace the true um, virtue of poverty. Therefore, let us now go back to the words that our Lord taught us on the mission of the Twelve. The Lord said to us, A victim soul must fix his eyes on Christ, must desire with all his being to become one with his Master, must be willing to learn from him and imitate him. He must be willing to fight against all his disordered desires. This requires certain disciplines for my disciples. So what the Lord is showing us in this message is that we have to give of our own will. There are disciplines that we need to practice. In the first two teachings on poverty, we mentioned to grow in poverty, it is a sacrifice that we must make. Now, in the path, number 63, in the purification of our desires, the first nail of crucifixion, the Lord again mentions to us the word discipline. The Lord says to us, the purification of your desires is the first stage of purification in my sacred heart. You begin to move only according to my desires and not yours. You no longer do what you want to do, nor go where you want to go. But now you go only where I take you. You choose to live each day according to what is most difficult, 
not what is easiest. This will require a greater discipline of your will, greater silence and stillness of soul in me. Therefore, the Lord is telling us that if we truly want to become one with Jesus crucified, one with love, we must choose just as he chose to become poor, we must also choose to deny ourselves things we want for love of him, to become more and more like him. So we're going to focus now on the five disciplines that the Lord specifically um, showed us from the mission of the 12, which comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 1 through 24. So the first discipline in the scriptures, it says this, Take no gold, nor silver, nor copper. And Jesus taught us. That means detached from the riches of this world, trusting that God will provide. So this is like you can think of the first degree of growing in poverty. We too must detach ourselves from the riches of the world. It's a choice we must be willing to make. The second, no bag for your journey. Jesus explained, that means that my disciples must allow my spirit to detach them from all disordered attachments. Now, I asked the Lord, my Lord, how do we know what is a disordered attachment? And he said, anything that weakens your desire for me, distracts you from loving me, or takes your gaze from me. These words should be branded in our hearts because it is amazing when we just stay with these words on a daily basis, the amount of things that distract us from loving Christ, the amount of things that take our gaze from him. It is really amazing when we take these words from the Lord to heart, how much that we are so unconsciously aware of on a daily basis the amount of things that really weakened our desire for Christ. So I, I encourage all of you, especially in this time of Lent, to really take those words to heart. The third discipline, the Lord, in the scriptures it says, nor to tunics, the Lord explains, my disciples must live simply as I did, poor, never in excess. It's really beautiful when we ponder the life of the Holy Family, how they did not live in excess. And yet, in today's world, 
what we're all accustomed to is an excess of everything. There's a word here that's also synonymous with poverty, and that is simplicity. In 2011, our Lord spoke about simplicity to us. He said, The call to simplicity is the call to detachment from the attachments of the flesh, both exterior and interior. As you grow in simplicity, you are emptied of all the attachments that prevent you from being filled with my life, my blood. This is the process of truly becoming a living chalice. A living chalice is a person that has allowed themselves to be emptied of everything in order to be filled with God. And that is where the beautiful virtue of poverty brings us. In every moment, in every step of this discipline, the focus is Jesus. We learn from him to love. When one loves, giving of self becomes natural. It would bother a person who sees a beloved in need to seek something for themselves that is really not necessary because love moves you to do this. So that this discipline is worked out through a constant awakening by looking at the Lord, by reminding ourselves that the Lord is saying, will you love like I love? And then our eyes of the Spirit are opened to be more and more free from self-attachments so that we are attached to God who is present in others. The Lord continues explaining to us, As you detach from material things, you grow in the virtue of poverty. As you become poor in the things of the world, you become rich in the things of heaven. The poor in spirit are rich spiritually, thus gaining true happiness on earth. Thus, you see that the tactic of Satan is to make you desire richness in the things of the world. But the spirit of poverty is far greater than physical poverty. It is detaching from your own ideas, desires, plans, dreams, goals. It is a complete abandonment to me, your God and Savior. This requires great diligence and abandonment to my spirit. I desire the simplicity of the innocence of a child with its mother. It is pleasing to the father and to the son 
to have you place your complete trust in us. So here the Lord takes us again to the second degree of poverty. It's taking us deeper into our hearts. It's the poverty of letting go of our own desires, our own expectations, plans. And there's two key words that are united as we grow in this exterior and interior poverty, abandonment and trust. And that is what the Lord is saying he wants. Men and women abandoned completely to him, trusting him like a child. The fourth discipline, nor sandals, Jesus explained to us, a life dedicated to sacrificial love, penance, renunciation. In Rosa Mística, she has the three roses, the red, the gold, and the white. The gold rose signifies penance. And our Blessed Mother taught the church that that means, penance means an acceptance of the little daily crosses and also doing one's work in the spirit of penitence. And that is very much how we've been formed in Love Crucified, is accepting everything as a gift from the Lord, doing the most um, menial work that we have, the most hidden work of our of our vocations in a spirit of penance, in a spirit of pouring ourselves out in sacrificial love. That's right. Uh, penance, like everything else, is better understood when we think, is this the most loving thing to do? Am I thinking of myself first or am I thinking of others first? And every day we have so many opportunities to to think about others and do what often is more difficult because love calls us to do that and uh, forget about ourselves and think of others. And this requires the discipline as the Lord has taught us because in order to really allow the Holy Spirit to empty us, it is a very difficult process. We, Father and I can sit here and speak about it. You, you can read it in the path. But to actually live it is very difficult. And the process of being emptied of our own desires, expectations, like we've learned, is, is not easy. It requires great time of prayer, of silence, of reflection, of penance, of repentance, you know, all of this to really grow in these beautiful virtues. And what happens is that the Lord will make us see, if we want to, what before we did not see. But to be able to receive this grace of seeing what I have to change, what I need to do different, 
um, the realities in my life that he wants me to just surrender, not only material, which is the first step we talked about, but also the second step, you know, attachments, desires, um, all those things of the will to surrender, um, the Lord will show us. Um, we just need to be attentive and be willing to, to give it to him. The fifth discipline in the scriptures, it says, nor a staff. Jesus explained, my disciples lean on me. I become their support. I lead the way. This is very much um, St. Um, Angela, the, the second level, where it says, I become their support. This is very much growing in the poverty of letting go of our controls and how difficult that is where we lean and allow Christ to guide us. Father Canta la Mesa in the book Poverty explains, the third type of poverty is the most profound of all because it goes beyond the level of possessions and touches the sphere of being. In Christ, poverty shines out in its most sublime form, not in the fact of being poor, which can be an imposed or an inherited state, but of becoming poor and becoming so out of love in order to enrich others. So again, it has to do for us as victim souls a falling in love. When we fall in love with Jesus crucified and we see the level of his poverty that he gives everything, is stripped of everything for love of me, if I am in love and this is the face of my spouse, the Spirit begins to place in my heart a love for the poverty of my beloved. And I desire to be poor like him. Mm-hmm. And that is the beginning of allowing the Holy Spirit to strip me of what I need to be stripped of. And there is no legalistic answer to how much we should give or how much we should be dispossessed because love does not have a yardstick. It doesn't have a measure. In the Old Testament, they still had the 10%, but not in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the model is Christ who gave himself in his entirety, becoming himself poor. And so our goal is by the grace of God to become like Christ, where we can say, you you know, Mother Teresa said, let the people eat me up. And we do that in the context of our vocation, like a father, a mother. We, they live for their children in the right uh, way, giving themselves. So it's no longer a, a measure or a percentage. It's a movement of the heart as ever-increasing and becoming united with Christ. Father Cantalamesa explains to us that there is a danger 
when we're moving towards growing in this beautiful virtue of poverty, Father Cantalamesa says, misunderstanding arises from attributing excessive value to the external material manifestations of poverty. John the Baptist was much more rigid in terms of asceticism than he was. Jesus never fell into the trap some of his imitators later fell into of making material poverty absolute, using it as a measure of perfection and ending up being rich in the worst thing there is in themselves and their own justice. Growing only putting uh, a focus on exterior poverty and not allowing the spirit, the transformation of the interior poverty of the heart is very dangerous. It's self-righteousness. It leads to becoming more at, at, attached to the pride of thinking. You see, I am poor. And, and I am yeah. holier. <laughs> and so I'm the holier. more I, the less I have, the holier I am. And then the comparisons. Yes. Uh, with others and judging and judgments um, very very dangerous so why did Jesus become poor Father Cantalamesa explains to us he, he quotes 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 since in the wisdom of God the world was unable to recognize God through wisdom God decided to save those who believe through the foolishness of our proclamation. In other words, since the world did not recognize and honor God when he revealed himself through creation in splendor, power, wisdom, and wealth, so he has now decided to save fallen humanity by the opposite means, through poverty, weakness, humility, and foolishness. He has decided to reveal himself in the guise of his opposite in order to challenge human pride and wisdom. And here is one of the beautiful um, words from scripture that we love so much and love crucified. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, who are being saved, it is the power of God. Therefore, my community, our community, it is us also have to choose the opposite of what our human nature wants. Our human nature wants things, comfort. Our human nature wants to be noticed, wants power, wants wealth, our human nature, wants recognition, titles. And yet, we too, like Christ, have to choose the opposite if we're going to be authentic victim souls. The cross has to become our one and only desire. And that is the poverty of Christ. 
1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. You know, even after 2,000 years, this crisis in the church and in each one of us, we are instinctively drawn to prestige, to people who have power, fame, titles. And to think that Jesus chose the path of the cross, destitution, you know, it's really something that we need to always bring to the light. And doesn't mean that he was always um, destituted in the sense he had friends, he had others who helped him, but he was completely free in the spirit and not controlling of the things that his father would give him every day. Um, That's the important thing is that he lived to flow in self-giving to the father and to others. A gift is most precious when it is the result of self-denial. When the giver deprives himself of what is given. And the word, in some sense, deprived himself of his divine wealth in order to share it with us. God's poverty is an expression of his agape, of the fact that he is love. Like St. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.2, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So if you are giving of something precious to you, like time, when you are moved by the need of others and you give money, or you give anything that is precious to you, it has immense value. So that's why the widow's might, right? Jesus taught us. She gave something that in comparison was almost worthless. But the sacrifice, the love that she put into it, made it to be the greatest gift of all those people that were giving that day. So the Lord gives us this opportunity to be limited And then we can love more by sacrificing in love. And really, with Christ, we we don't lose anything. That's the irony of this whole thing. As we allow the Spirit to empty us, I mean, for us, it's so hard to let go. But actually, the more we let go, the more we're filled with God himself. And what we receive is is love, which is God. And there we find true joy and happiness in life. Amen. The second motivation for poverty is mission or apostolic. Luke 9, verse 3 says, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. Christ's teaching contains two different levels or forms of poverty. 
one required of everyone in order to enter the kingdom, the other required of a few, in particular, in order to announce the kingdom. This second and more radical demand Jesus makes to those he calls to share in his work of proclaiming the kingdom and being totally devoted to its cause, the apostles, that small group of disciples who followed him. We, in Love Crucified, among others in the church, have been chosen by the Lord to follow him and to bring forth his kingdom on earth. Therefore, we too have to accept this second level of poverty, the more difficult one, the one that requires greater things of us. What are some of the words spoken to us? In this mission of the 12, this, these words from the Lord from January 30th, 2018, the Lord begins by saying, My little one, I have chosen you to bear fruit for the kingdom of God on earth. The mission is not easy, for the ways of God are never the ways of the world. You have been asked by God to bring him victim souls. We have a mission by the Lord. In 2017, he said, Respond by suffering all with me in my sacrifice of love. Respond with courage and zeal, believing that God has chosen you to participate in the triumph of my crucified love to save the world. God has chosen us to, to help save the word, world through our union with him, victim victim priest. And recently in 2018, he said, you are preparing the way for my second coming. It is my hidden martyrs of love, crucified through me, with me and in me, that will usher in the reign of my kingdom on earth. So yes, each of us have been chosen. We have a apostolic mission to become his victim souls and to raise up many victim souls to bring forth his coming, his on earth. And finally, Father Cantala Mesa makes a very important point in his book, Poverty, that none of this is possible without the Holy Spirit. Yes, he said, only the Holy Spirit can, in only the Holy Spirit, can we live this new law of becoming poor, which Jesus Christ presents to us. And John Paul II wrote, the whole work of renewing the church, which the Second Vatican Council so providentially proposed and initiated, can only come about in the Holy Spirit. In other words, with the help of his light and his energy. The Holy Spirit is the one that creates that new heart 
which willingly does the things God commands because it loves God and trusts him. So the Holy Spirit is able to renew the evangelical ideal of poverty in the church by infusing in each of us a love for poverty, more precisely by infusing Christ's love for poverty, where each of us can say, I have fallen in love with poverty because I have fallen in love with Jesus crucified. Amen. Amen. I want to say something else, Lourdes, uh, to conclude all this. There's an axiom that I think is universal. Every person spends their time, their wealth, their attention in whatever they love and to the priority of their love. So we look at Jesus and we see the priorities of God, you know, which is each one of us. He gives himself. So I encourage each one to think uh, the way I spend my time, my resources, everything that I am manifest to the Lord where my love is. For more information on the path to union with God, please visit the Love Crucified community website at www.lovecrucified.com. God bless you. Thank you.